Welcome to the Wealth Standard Podcast with host Patrick Donahoe, author of the best-selling personal finance book, Heads I Win, Tales You Lose, and one of the nation's most influential financial advisors. The Wealth Standard's focus this season is investing. 2020 opened with markets and asset prices at all-time highs, but many of us experience more financial uncertainty now than we did a decade ago. Although there are more choices and opportunities than ever before, the risk-to-reward ratio teeters on a global fulcrum, contributing to the roller coaster of emotions surrounding financial well-being. It seems like everyone is walking on eggshells. This season, we'll cover topics revolving around investment theory and strategy, atypical investments versus conventional investments, and the role of investing within personal wealth strategies. The Wealth Standard Podcast is committed to inspiring you to be more financially free. There is no better time to gain clarity about your wealth strategy, your investments, and your financial future than now. This episode is sponsored by the new and improved financial independence calculator found at thewealthstandard.com forward slash calculator. One of the driving forces of human beings is freedom, which infers financial freedom too. So several years ago, I set out to discover how any individual, regardless of their financial situation, could evaluate their finances in five minutes or less and have a firm date when they could achieve financial independence. The latest version of this calculator, which is free for listeners, can be found at thewealthstandard.com forward slash calculator. The calculator is going to take you just a few minutes to complete, and it's going to provide you with a specific financial independence date. So go check it out today. The following five episodes are with businessmen, investor, doctor, and now author, Tim Reynolds. The interview was in person. It was in my office. And so if you're listening to the episodes and want to watch the videos, just go head over to thewealthstandard.com and it'll have a link there. When the five segments are complete, we're going to post the entire interview on our YouTube channel. So make sure you check that out. So a little bit about Tim. Tim is a former Green Beret in the Special Forces. He was a medic and also battalion surgeon. He graduated from Texas A&M with his medical degree and his specialization was emergency medicine. He was an emergency room doctor for several years and then also started or co-started a company called Healthcare Express. He currently has locations, I believe 15 or 16 locations throughout Texas, Oklahoma, Arkansas, and Louisiana. And most recently, he has his book. This is his book. You guys can check it out on Amazon. It's called Living Every Minute. It's also on Audible. He reads the Audible audiobook. Tim is an amazing guy. He's one of the first original platinum partners with Tony Robbins. He has a love and zest for life. It's throughout his book. It's going to be throughout this interview. You can imagine that in the roles that he's played, he has experienced firsthand 
the fragility of life. And he's going to share some of those experiences throughout these five segments. Now, I wanted to forewarn you, this is a PG-13-ish interview. There's some colorful language, and there's also some relatively graphic stories that Tim tells. You guys are going to experience him, his heart, his passion for life. You can uh, check his website out. It's livingeveryminute.com. He has some personal development programs and courses and a lot of other resources that you will want to check out. So go head over there. And without further delay, let's start episode one with my dear friend, Tim Reynolds. Taking a break from the show... You know, entrepreneurs inspire me. I love meeting leaders of successful ventures who discover an idea, formulate the business, and then execute. You'd assume that they know how to structure their personal finances. I believed that too, but I was wrong. Entrepreneurs are never taught to effectively manage their wealth to work alongside their business and lifestyle. All of that work, effort, toil, and time wasted. Entrepreneur 101 is an online course that teaches you a financial strategy that works so that success is not a flash in the pan, but lasting. The spirit of the entrepreneur doesn't have to be compromised. Register for the Entrepreneur 101 course today for free at thewealthstandard.com forward slash E-N-T. That's Echo November Tango thewellstandard.com forward slash E-N-T. My dad's old, he's getting, he's late seventies and we visit them every year. They live on East coast on the beach and we were on the, we were on the beach, three hour conversation and around rules. And most people like they're, they're so resistant. Yeah. Right. But he, he realized like his rule to feel like he was significant, that he was worthy, that he was happy is he always had to be helping somebody else. Yeah. And, and good on him because that's his whole, that's yeah. his whole life. And yeah. he, he does so much good for, for people. But the thing we, he realized is he, he doesn't, I, number one, it's a big burden to carry and he doesn't allow people to help, help him. him. Yeah. And, and it hit me. I'm like, man, that's so. Yeah. I mean, it's profound where we, we walk around with these rules. We don't even know. I have a rule that I pick up every check. Now, luckily, most of the people around me also think I should pick up every check. <laughs> so it's not big a problem. Like at dinner but, every once, yeah. but if every once in a while somebody else picks up the check, actually almost, I, I get like this, right? Or this is how it used to be. And then one day I realized, why is that? Well, for some reason, I created a rule that I should be the guy picking up the check. Yeah. And so I wouldn't allow anybody else to not realize that that was a favor to me, right? And so how did I make up that stupid rule? What a stupid rule. But I think we all do that. We make up rules. And so my, my major rule, I told I shared this with you before, my major rule that I had to change was, my rule was, I have to be making everything better all the time. And it's a great rule. I mean, honestly, if you think about it, I'm always trying to make things better. But the person I was working with says, what does the rule presuppose? And presupposes that it'll never be good enough. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's exactly how I feel all the time. Like nothing's ever good enough. And I never realized that. I thought it's a great rule. I'm always making things better. It's this close, it's a loop. Yeah. It's a loop that you can't get out of. Yeah. No matter how good it is, it's never good enough. Yeah. But if you only feel like it's never good enough, then doesn't matter how good it is. Yeah. Right. So I had to kind of readjust that rule and rethink that so I could say, 
yes, it's good enough exactly as it is. The world is exactly as it's supposed to be. And let's go make it better. So how, so what are, what's your new primary question? What are your new, what are like the simple rules you operate by now? Cause it doesn't mean that we don't have rules. You no. to get rid of rules. No, we just try and make try to better create rules. rules that get us what we want. Yeah, right. So I changed that rule, as you know, to how can I be content and ambitious simultaneously? I'm smart enough that I can say, you know what? I'm perfectly happy with exactly as I am financially, health wise, well, uh, relationships wise, relationships. If nothing changed, I'm so, so blessed. That's what it is. All right. Now let's go get, let's go create, right? And be able to do both of those things where before I had the let's go create, but I didn't have the, I'm very content exactly where I'm at right now. And that's a gratitude thing. And I, I think I was grateful, but I wasn't grateful that the world was exactly as it is. And I think that's as far as. Do you find it easy when, because you, you had said something before, when a person trying to go through these exercises on their own, even though it's simple in theory, oftentimes there's limitations. But when they are going through an exercise with, with someone else, right, that's when I think people can have more epiphanies. At least that's been my experience. Mine too. But when you, so these rules, is it, is it pretty easy for a person when they're going through these exercises to recognize their rules and be like, Okay, and then accept them and then move on. Or is there, is there typical, typically resistance to it? I think it's a combination, right? I think you probably had the same experience. I think a lot of, you know, Stephen Covey used to say, you have to win the inner battle before you can face the outer battle. Mm-hmm. You, have to, you have to win the man inside or the woman inside before you can face the outside. And so a lot of the revelations or aha moments that you'll have will be with yourself during your own thinking, meditation, prayer, whatever you call that. But I also think there's a limitation of how far you can go on your own. And so that's why I recommend in the book, and I know you're a big advocate of this too, is find some mentors, find some groups that you can go out to, whether that's, you know, whatever mentor you like, and go learn from some other people too, both live and through reading and listening. You know, my secret to success has to be, don't you don't have to do it all on your own. There's plenty of people who've treaded the path before you and you can learn from them not only what to do, but sure as heck what not to do. Don't step on that landmine. That's a big one. Trust me, I stepped on it, right? And so going through that, and you know, I love this analogy of Tiger Woods has a golf coach. Now he can beat his golf coach in golf. So why would he need a coach? And here's the reason. Tiger cannot see himself swing, right? He can't see the golf club. And so you need somebody to look at you who's objective, who's not trying to sell you something, who can tell you, you know what, if you just turned your foot a little bit, I think everything would get better on your swing. And so you need people in your life who are willing to call you on your shit. You, you, you need somebody, and as you get higher, as you get better, as you get richer, as you get higher in your status in life, it's harder and harder to find people who are willing to tell your breast stinks. But you need somebody. You need somebody willing to tell you, hey, you need a TikTok. Well, it's two things. It's somebody willing to do that, but then you're willing to accept it. And you're willing to accept it, right? But even if you're willing to accept it, it's hard to find somebody willing to do it. Yeah. It's hard to find somebody who works for you. Who be completely honest. Who who can be completely honest because even if they don't know, there's a secondary agenda. Yeah. Because the relationship isn't, it's not an equal relationship where somebody can call you on your shit. Yeah. Candid, candid conversations. We haven't, it's not really part of society, right? Because when candid conversations happen, there's never an objective response, right? It's or an objective filter that that you know criticism or that you know that goes through, which is interesting. 
And yeah, I think trial and error, right, really gets a person eventually to the point where, you know, they realize that another person's perspective is just another perspective. Doesn't mean it's right, doesn't mean it's wrong, but it could be helpful. It could be helpful. Yeah, we don't have to. And that's the thing. If I tell you, you know what? Those genes just don't look good on you. By the way, I think they look fantastic. (laughs) But if I were to tell you that, it doesn't mean I'm right. Yeah. It just means you should go, hmm, let me look. You know what? Actually, I kind of like them. Thank you for your opinion. But be willing to be open to that idea because what we tend to do is get very defensive. Yeah. I've sat on boards now for a dozen years and every time the CEO of a company or whoever is being interrogated, if you will, as a board member, the automatic response has become defensive. And the objective with the board over time is to say, instead of being defensive, including me, by the way, yeah. instead of being, because it's hard when somebody tells your baby's ugly, right? <laughs> but instead of being defensive, you or can your just, perspective if, you can just, if you can just listen and say, it's interesting. It doesn't mean they're right, mm-hmm. but it's worth listening to. Especially if they, if you, and this is the key, if you know they have your best interests at heart. That's the key. It's the emotional bank account you talk about. If you know I have your best interests at heart, it's easier for me to say something. If you're not sure I have your best interests at heart, then if I say something, you don't take it the same way. Or you say something that'll just like, you know, placate somebody. Yeah. Now, is it, so this is a recent experience where really big company and, you know, I, I know the CEO well, and he's just had this, he's gone through executives over and over. Now his executives are yet, are yes men. And so just as much as, we, you know, the idea of receiving feedback and perspective from, from someone, from someone else. We also have to realize that our view of the world is, is just one way. And it's, it's pretty narrow. And because every single person on earth has a different perspective of life, right? To, to sometimes there's similarities, but usually it's a little bit different. You know, you, he has, you know, complementing personalities, whether it's, you know, business acumen, whether it's marketing acumen, whether it's entrepreneurship. I mean, Tony talks about, Tony talks about the Personas, right? The the entrepreneur, the artist, artist. the artist, mm-hmm. right? The the tactician, right? The manager. Yeah, you, know, you have different strengths and personalities, and sometimes we think we need to know everything, and it's just not it, it's not reasonable, yeah. right? And at the same time, or we, we surround ourselves with people like us, ex- which again, it just reinforces a narrow perspective. Yeah. It right. just makes it stronger, yeah. right? But when you understand that, you know. Other people have strengths and abilities and uniqueness that can just broaden a perspective and strengthen it. That creates a superpower in anything, not just business, but you know, in in most aspects of life. Yeah, I mean, I, you use coaching and sports. So you, it's a huge aha moment the day you realize that I need to surround people, myself with people who are not like me. It's, it was big for me when we when we were building our company. I was like, I need to surround people who I'm not a dot the I, cross the T kind of person. Just ask the people around me. And so I need to surround myself with people who are exactly like that. But in the beginning, I was hiring and working with people who are like me, like big picture thinkers, creators, strategy, all that kind of stuff. And then nobody did the work, (laughs) right? And the work has to be done. And so the aha moment is when you say, all right, I need somebody who's opposite of the way I think, who thinks this way, which I couldn't do. And I literally, you know, we have our, our our main headquarters that runs our companies is called Oz, as in Wizard of. And so, Ozzy. Okay. And so, when I walk around Oz, 
I literally walk to every office and go, wow, that person's smarter than me. That person's smarter than me. That person's smarter than me in what they do. And they're they're yeah, all they're smarter. Field. I couldn't do any of their jobs. Mm -hmm. And once you realize that, everything changes. Instead of, I think, in the beginning, especially an entrepreneur, you think you have to know everybody's job even better than they do. And in the beginning, that's probably true. If you're starting a small company and you're the only guy and you, you, you're everything, you probably do know everything better than everybody. But if you're going to scale that thing, if you're going to you, make it bigger, you have to, you have to be your specialist, which point. is being the, you know, I'm the guy doing this. I don't know how to play the violin. I don't know how to play the oboe. Oh, damn, I don't know, how to, but I can conduct the orchestra and nobody who can play the instrument can conduct the orchestra like I can. What are maybe some of the lessons? Cause that's, what's amazing about your, about the book is you, you have principles that you teach, but you have a myriad of stories to illustrate how that plays out in real life. So maybe along these lines, when it comes to you recognizing the value, the importance of a team with different strengths and the roles of, of team members, what, what are maybe, I mean, I, I would assume special forces is probably a, a good example, but through, you know, through business, how, how have you discovered that and understood, understood that value? Of having their strengths and having having people around surround you know, surround yeah. you like did you have to learn the hard way or did you just get taught by somebody? Well, I think I got really lucky going into special forces in the beginning. Yeah, I think I got really lucky because in special forces it's such a unique environment. And if you're in a Green Beret team room, I always used to use this analogy so people can understand. We'll go steal from everybody else, but in that unit. And when I say still, I'm talking about jokingly take things from people, not like rob a bank. So don't get me. But in the team room, I could put $10,000 cash on my bed. I could leave for three months, come back, and that $10,000 cash will be on. I'm no doubt about it, 100% guaranteed, right? That's the environment. Luckily for me, I was raised in at age 18. And so I was, it was instilled in me very, very early. And the other thing on an A team, on a on a special forces A team is everybody has their role, right? I was the I was the medic. We had the light weapons guy. We got a heavy weapons guy. We got demolition. We got the COO. We got the CEO. Or CEO. That's the business. The commander, and and everybody is counting on everybody else to do their job because if you don't, you die, right? And so stakes everybody needs stakes are high, and so the the brotherhood is high because the stakes are high, right? And so. I've sort of carried that with me through business entrepreneurship to say, I want an inner circle that feels like that. I want an inner circle that feels like a group of people. So my inner circle, the people I was just talking about, I guarantee you right now, three o'clock in the morning this morning, I could call my CFO, Amanda, and say, Amanda, I need you at my house in 30 minutes. She wouldn't say for what? She'd say, I'll be there. You know, it's the old analogy. Hey, we need to bury a body. And you say, who's driving? <laughs> you don't say what happened. You say, who's driving? <laughs> and, but that comes from what you said. I poured so much into her over the years. We've been together for 26 years, right? I've poured more than that now. I poured so much into her and, and the whole team that you develop that relationship, which is why I think it's so hard. And so you got, let me answer your question. So the answer to the question is, I don't think it has anything to do with their skill set. I think it has everything to do with their character. character. Yeah. And we mistakenly think it's about their skill set. And yeah. when we hire people, we hire them for their skill set mm -hmm. and we forget to ask them about their character. And we fire them because of their character, rarely because of their skill set. How often have you fired somebody because they couldn't do the job? It's always, it's, 
Yeah, it's always been. Yeah, one percent of the time, been you're like, yeah, this person just can't do the job. But that's so rare. Usually, it's a character flaw, and yet we hire on skills, and we fire on character. Kind of have a backwards a little bit. So, if I were to say the one thing I've learned over time is interview a lot more about their character. You can always teach them the skills. Now they have to have some skills, right? As Jim Rohn used to say, you know, if you have an idiot running around like crazy, running as fast as he can east, looking for a sunset, it's not gonna, he's not gonna get it, right? He's that motivated idiot. So they do have to have the skill set, but the skill set is probably less important than the characters that you when you when you're building a company, when you're building an organization of any kind. Think about is this a person who I'd go to war with? Is this a person who I'd get in the foxhole with and be? Because if they are, the rest is all you can figure. Thank you for listening to the Wealth Standard Podcast. Be sure to visit the show's official website, thewealthstandard.com, for appropriate disclaimers and terms of service. Guest opinions are their own. If you require specific investing, financial, legal, tax, or any other specialized advice, please consult an appropriate professional. We welcome and appreciate reviews of the show. Head on over to iTunes or Stitcher to leave your review. And don't forget to subscribe to the show to get access to every new episode and exclusive interviews this season. Thanks again for joining us, and we'll see you next time.